Well, good morning, neighbors. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Um, I got a question for you this morning. Um, how many of you have ever moved? Ever moved? You ever moved in your life? Well, I, we've moved several times. In a minute, I'm going to get there, and then we're going to go on with the rest of the story. But I just want to take a moment this morning to thank Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca for the incredible opportunity that we get to, um, to speak today. It's an honor, and thanking Pastor Mark and his family. Um, my wife and I and kids love being able to speak to the kids, and then we also love speaking to some adults as well. So this is a privilege and an honor but we, we, we've moved, we've moved several, several times. One key thought I've learned about when we've moved is when you, before you actually get the keys and you move into your new house, you're actually praying and thinking and hoping you're going to get good neighbors, right? You're like, oh, thank you, Lord. The other cool thing about that is the place where you're moving to, the neighbors that are currently in that neighborhood, guess what they're doing? They're praying and believing that they're going to get some really cool neighbors. Um, growing up as a kid, we moved only one time, and that was from when I came home from the hospital to the house that we lived in. 18 years, 18 years. But in those 18 years, we got to meet and we got to do life and we got to do um, amazing things with incredible neighbors. Yesterday, we celebrated my parents' 60th wedding anniversary. And one of the cool stories that came out of that, that was one of the neighbors said to my mom and dad, if it wasn't for you guys, I don't know if I would have found Christ. And as a son, I was like, whoa. I'm like, that's so awesome to hear about your parents in that way. Since Natalie and I have been married 24 years this fall, incredible 24 years, um, we've moved five times, and we still have connections with all the neighbors that we have come in contact with those five times. Whether it be here in Faribault or wherever it was we were at, we run into them at the grocery store and we're like, hey, there they go. We gotta run and catch up with them. Sometimes though in this world, you hear phrases like this one, love thy neighbor, but don't cut down your hedge. Or this one, good fences make good neighbors. No. I love some of these phrases. We're, we're neighbors and we're going to pull through it together. That's a neighbor. I don't know if you ever watched Home Improvement, um, but there was a, a, a phrase that they would always say, Heidi ho, neighbor. Remember that? Or this one, I'm going to let you guess this one. Please. Won't you be my neighbor? Or like a good neighbor, a certain farm is there. I'll let you fill in the blank. But I got to, be, I got to thinking, who is my neighbor? 
And then I got to thinking a little further, and I was like, what is the definition of a neighbor? You see, as a kid, we could easily figure out who our neighbor was. It was the person right next door. As a kid, I wanted to go play with my next door neighbors. We got to connect and we got to build a relationship together. Matter of fact, I still have great friends from when I was way young. And as my world began to change and I got a little bit older, I realized when I would jump on a plane, wherever it would go, whether it be to Mexico or on a global team trip, I realized that the people that are sitting right next to me in that plane seat or across the aisle was my neighbor. And as I began to grow and mature in my walk with the Lord, the biblical definition of a neighbor, and I want to share that with you, is this. Is any person, it is any person in need of one's help or kindness. Let me say that again. It is any person in need of one's help or kindness. Today, I want to talk to you about an incredible Bible story. Even I learned it early on in my walk with the Lord. It's about a good neighbor. And it's called the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I would encourage you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, it'll be on the screen as well. I'm reading from the the Passion Translation, um, but it's found in Luke chapter 10. The initial story starts from verse 30 to 37, and I'm going to back up just a little bit to kind of give us a little bit more details leading into the story of the Good Samaritan. Verse 25 says this, Just then, a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. He posed this question, Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? And Jesus replied with a question and said, well, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? The religious scholar answered, it states you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your passion, all of your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. And Jesus replied and said, that is correct. Now go and do exactly that and you will live. Wanting to justify himself a little bit further, he questioned Jesus saying, what do you mean by who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you. There once was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. When bandits robbed him along the way, they beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon, a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to him to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. And finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. 
Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words. Take care of him and I'll come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. I'm going to have them put the screen of, of the road that we're talking about right. Uh, it's going to come on the screen right behind us, or behind me, sorry. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about these characters in this parable that Jesus is talking about. First, we have the priest. You would have thought that this would have been a good character. After all, I mean, he's been teaching about it. He's been, I mean, he has been a, a man that, um, you know, has been kind of directing people as far as what God's word was teaching through Moses and all that. But the priest possibly was in a hurry. He might have been in a hurry. He was probably end of the day. Or maybe he was on his way to the temple because he was late. Anybody ever been late before? Or maybe he was fearful because in this picture you can see there's caves and there's hills because the robbers that did this to this Jewish man could have been out there trying to do something or similar to him. Or maybe the priest was fearful of touching the dead person, which would have made him ritually unclean in those days. Second, we have the temple assistant, the Levite. See, they were the second ones, and they were second to the priest, and so he probably had the same concerns as the as the priest did, and, um, but he probably also maybe was like, maybe somebody else will take care of him. I, I got to get going. I, somebody else will take care of him. Then the third character in this story, the good Samaritan. You see, the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along at all. Sound familiar with maybe what's going on in this world today? They weren't getting along at all. There was racism, there was tension, there was bad feelings. You see, the Samaritan would have been the most unlikely man to step in and help because of all the things that were going on between the Samaritans and the Jews. However, despite the thoughts that the Samaritan could have had about not helping, despite the thoughts, guess what he did? He did it. He helped the Samaritan, or the the Jewish person. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27, it says this, But if you will listen, I will, I say to you, love your enemies. I'm going to say that again because I think sometimes we need to hear it. I say to you, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. Anybody ever done that this last week? In Luke chapter 6, verse 31, it says, However you wish to be treated by others is how you should be treated. I want to talk to you about five things this morning that we all have. Five things that we all have that pertain to this story. You see, the good Samaritan opened his eyes. That's the first thing we have. The good Samaritan opened his eyes. He saw the man. 
He did not see a Jewish man. He saw a wounded man. He didn't care. He went right in and he took care of it. And the the wounded man also saw the man coming and he didn't care. He didn't care that he was a Samaritan. The wounded man saw a gentleman that was coming to help him. So we've got our eyes. Then we have our heart. The good Samaritan felt compassion for the man. Compassion for the man. Thirdly, we have our hands. The good Samaritan opens his hands. He bandaged up the gentleman, cleaned up his wounds. He took care of him. He took care of him. Fourth, he opened his possessions. He puts him on his own donkey, takes him to the inn. He takes out his wallet and pays the innkeeper and then leaves. But before he leaves, and I love this part of the story, before he leaves, he also says this, whatever other expenses that might arise, guess what? I'm not going to put it on the innkeeper. I'm not going to say, you know what, I've done my part. I put him in the inn. He goes, you know what, on my return back home, I'm going to stop in. And if there's any other expenses, any other expenses, I'm going to take care of them. I like to think of that as going above and beyond. The fifth thing is, and in today's world, it's hard. The fifth thing is, he opened his time. I had the privilege of driving to Fargo, North Dakota yesterday for my parents' 60th wedding anniversary. And as I was driving, I got to thinking as I drove, and there's a wonderful app that tells you, you know, danger alert, car pulled off to the side. And I got to thinking, I'm like, I got to schedule. I got to get there because I want to spend as much time as I want with my parents, but I got to get home so I could be here this morning, right? Time is precious, but listen, when's the last time, and I'm saying this to myself, as I was driving, I'm like, when's the last time I said, whew, I'm like, I can probably be a little late because there's somebody in need. Jesus is saying, love them as I have loved you. This this was demonstrated in the uh, Spanish flu in 1918. There was a missionary by the name of Nellie Norton who did not spare herself while working with people with the H1N1 virus. She worked day and night, day and night caring for the sick until herself came down with the disease and later died. She gave it all. You might say, hey, you know what, Pastor Lane? Ah, I don't see a bleeding person sitting alongside the road. Let me share some thoughts with you this morning in, in regards to that. We've all heard about the virus, haven't we? We've heard that or seen maybe unemployment statistics show that 31.3 million people reported that they, had, they hadn't worked in the last four weeks during the month of July. Those aren't just statistics. Those are real people. People are hurting economically. 
We love our neighbor by checking on them and praying for them. Words of encouragement, or how about this? Pointing them to the right job. Giving them some wisdom and helping them. Depression. The CDC is saying symptoms of anxiety, depressive disorder have increased considerably during the month of April and June. Love your neighbor by listening and pointing to them to the Savior. There's a great verse in, 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 in uh, James chapter 1, verse 19, where it says this, My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Marriages. Attorneys in California are saying they are seeing a rise in divorce cases during this COVID-19 pandemic. Some sites on the web are seeing 30% increase, 30% increases on searches about how divorce would work. 30%. I want to see them searching for the good answer, Jesus. That's what we're to do. We're supposed to point them. Domestic violence is on the rise. School teachers, Pastor Rob talked about this last week. School teachers, I mean, come on. I mean, that's got to be an incredible amount of stress to try and figure out how this is all going to roll out. Some of it has already started to. Then we have public servants police department all the people in service how can we help how can we point them lastly we have the high risk people there's 37.6% of adults belong in this category 37% of adults belong in this um, high risk and I got to thinking I'm like how can I help them I love the stories where you'd see people waving through windows anybody remember that you drive up to somebody's house, you'd wave to them through the window. Hey, let's keep doing that. Let's go over and help them mow their lawn, take care of them. I love that we get to do serve day at the church. It's so important. You see, there's hurting people in our community from the south side to the north side to the east side to the west side of Fairbow and our surrounding communities. But listen to this. Don't let this day be the only day you help out a neighbor. Let it be rather a launching pad for your eyes, for your heart, for your hands, for your possessions, and of our time. Let us also start by loving our closest neighbors and let it spread from there. You see, many in Jesus' time thought it was appropriate to hate your enemies, to hate the children of the darkness. Hating one's enemies rather than caring for them or loving them fits with human common sense, all right? Which is often born out of self-interest that comes naturally to us. The command to love our enemies is grounded in the fact that God loves his enemies, Jesus, is, Jesus used this example that we see in 1 Col- uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22. 
It says this. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations. You see, if God loved us when we were enemies, we who are called to imitate, say imitate for me this morning. God must also love our enemies. If God loved us when we were enemies, when we were enemies, we who are called to imitate God must also love our enemies. You don't have to have a lot of things to be a good neighbor. You know what you need? You need God's love. You don't have to have a lot of things. You just need God's love. See, we don't get to choose who we love, who we serve, who we witness to, who we forgive. Doesn't matter their upbringing, their social or political economic status. This is for everyone. God's love. I want to take you back to the Good Samaritan as we get ready to close this morning. I want to take you back to the last two verses. It says this in verse 36 of chapter 10. So now, tell me, which of the three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor? And the religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Jesus said, You must go and do the same as he. And otherwise, we are called to be imitators of Christ. We need to go and do the same. We need to open our eyes. We need to open our heart. We need to open our hands. We need to open our possessions. And we need to open our time. Let me say it one more time to you. We need to open our eyes. We need to open our heart. We need to open our hands. We need to open our possessions. And then we need to open our time. There are people out there that are saying this popular phrase that I said at the beginning. Please, Please, won't you be my neighbor? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this powerful parable that teaches us that we need to love one another with our eyes, with our heart and our hands and our possessions and our time. Jesus, I pray that would, that would be our, our pulse, our, our, our desire to do that. We need to be imitators of you, Jesus. No matter who we come in contact with, Jesus,
that we need to be imitators of you. Especially now, Jesus. God, I thank you so much for teaching an incredible, powerful parable, Jesus, about the Good Samaritan. Help us to be that good neighbor, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. I want every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. There's a fourth person in this story that we talked about. We, didn't, we kind of briefly touched on him. But it was the wounded man, the Jewish man, alongside the road. And maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling wounded. Maybe you, are, maybe you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe, you're, maybe you're, just, you're needing that Savior this morning, Jesus, to come. He's walking right by you this morning. And he's stopping at your heart and he's knocking. And he's saying, you know what? I'm here for you. I love you. I'm here to wash your wounds. I'm here to make you clean. If that's you in this room this morning, and you're saying, you know what? I'm in need of a savior. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three because Jesus loves us so much that he came and saved us, made a way. On the count of three, if you'd like to accept Christ into your heart this morning, slip your hand up one, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus is walking right by and he's knocking on the door and he's saying, hey, you know what? I want to wash you. Just going to wait just another second. Church, I would like us all to say this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being a good neighbor. That you came and died on the cross for me. I admit that I've sinned, Jesus, and I need your forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, for the cross and the empty grave that I can have life with you. And I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen and amen.